The following is a message from Wellsprings Congregation. So Reverend Kit Howe, my minister at the Unitarian Church of Lancaster back in the mid-90s, told a story in one of his sermons that stuck with me all of these years. His story was a personal one. It began with his father telling the young Kit that they were going to meet a real holy man, a saint. Now, Kit wasn't sure that he actually wanted to meet a saint, but he went along anyway. They sat in the very back of a small country church, and when the time came to take communion, his father led him up to the rail. Kit had never taken communion, and he wasn't quite sure what to do, but he took the wafer in his mouth and sipped the grape juice like he saw others doing. Then the priest... Father Vega put his hand on Kit's head and with the softest voice Kit had ever heard said, bless you. He had never been blessed before, but he sensed that something special had happened. Kit's story continued. When the service was over, after most of the parishioners had departed, the priest was approached by a big, red, beefy man who jabbed his finger at the priest and said, Father, there are people in this church, important people, you know who they are, and they want an air conditioner. I tell you, Father, if this air conditioner issue is not resolved, there's going to be trouble. Now, Father Vega just stood there, his face unchanging, It was, as Kit described it, one of those moments where everything seemed to freeze and everyone just stood there so he could see everything. He could see suddenly two worlds. The big, red, beefy guy lived in a world of air conditioners and power and cars and church politics. And the priest lived in another world, in some ways more powerful And frightening, where love and angels were as real as evil and hatred, a world which needed saving with love and compassion, where there was mercy and justice and hope, not just abstractions, but made real. Kid and his father watched as Father Vega put his hand on the man's shoulder and simply said, bless you, and walked away. Now, Kit's story concludes with a somewhat unsatisfying but very realistic coda. The big red beefy guy was momentarily stunned by a grace that he couldn't understand, but he shook it off and went on his way. Father Vega was fired three months later. Now, Kit posed a question in his sermon that day. How can we choose to live in Father Vega's world? How can we choose to live in Father Vega's world? And that's the question that stuck with me all these years, especially when I come up against the hard edges of that world of power and privilege and money and politics, a world in which I have achieved at least some small measure of success, actually. When I'm honest with myself, I know that some of these hard edges are my own, as much as I wish it was otherwise. Sometimes I am not Father Vega, standing in the world of grace and peace and love. Sometimes I'm the big red beefy air conditioner guy, 
poking my finger in self-righteous indignation about the thing that I know has to get done. How can we choose to live in Father Vega's world, this world of love and mercy and justice and hope? And in what ways might we be living in it already? This message series that Reverend Ken kicked off last week and that continues through this holiday season aims to help us reflect on these questions about where we might be, as the Bible quote says, entertaining angels unaware. It's hard not to like Father Vega the way the story describes him. However, I don't want to completely dismiss the big red beefy air conditioner guy. I am sure he believes he's doing the right thing. I was here the couple of Sundays this summer that the air conditioning wasn't working here in Bell Hall. And if you were too, I'll bet you have some level of sympathy for the guy, right? He might have been really uncomfortable during the service in the hot pack sanctuary. He might have seen other people leave because they were really not able to handle the heat. He might have known people who weren't able to come to church at all that day because they had medical conditions that didn't react well to heat. All of those are valid concerns, but that's not how we frame the situation to Father Vega at all. I wonder if he had, if that conversation might have gone differently and more productively. I also appreciate the obvious problem mindset that's demonstrated in the campaign for the air conditioner. I find myself approaching the world this way often. Something is not working here, so guys, let's go ahead and fix it. That's why, as many of you may have observed, I often jump in here on Sunday morning when something doesn't go right, when the coffee spills or the toilet backs up, really anything. I'm wired that way, to notice what's wrong and to fix it. One of the reasons I think I'm wired this way is my profession. Many of you know I'm an auditor, and as an auditor, my entire focus is on what's wrong. In fact, the best I have to offer a client at the end of the day is, in my opinion, the financial statements are fairly presented in all material respects in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles. Not great job, not well done, just fairly presented in all material respects. It's a really strange way of relating. Can you imagine if someone asked, how are you? And the person responded, I'm fair in all material respects. And I'm realizing that after over 20 years of practicing public accounting, it may have subtly impacted the way I see the world in ways that I have yet to fully understand. As authors Chip and Dan Heath have observed, the limitation of focusing on what's not working is that it can really narrow our vision and keep us from seeing the things that are actually going right. One example they use is this report card. The question they pose is, what jumps out at you when you look at these grades? Now, if you first see the F in math, you are not alone. But the Heaths argue that the focus should really be on that A in English. That's what they call a bright spot, a place where things are going well. We might inquire, what's different about English? than the other subjects? Is it the teaching style? Is it a study technique? Is it maybe the time of day the class is held? And what about those differences might be applied to the other subjects, especially math, where there's clearly an opportunity for improvement? Unlike just focusing on the F, this bright spot approach is based not in shame and deficiency, but in confidence and strength. What's working? 
what's right. These questions can help us see the world through a different lens, a lens that expands our field of vision to not look only at what's wrong, but also not just to feel good about what's right. The point is to hold both of these things together and use what's going right to transform what's not. Helping people learn to see the world through the lens of what's working is the life's work of DeWitt Jones. He runs a not-for-profit organization called Celebrate What's Right. Has anyone seen his TED Talk? No one. Okay, so you have some homework. Go watch it. It's amazing. As of last week, it had over one million views, five of which were mine because it's that good. Uh, He is a photographer by trade. He worked for National Geographic for 25 years and was deeply moved by the geographics charged to him every time he went out on assignment to celebrate what's right with the world. He found this focus to be a transformative gift that he's now sharing with others. On the Celebrate What's Right website, he shares some of his photographs along with inspirational quotes, like this one. Beauty is God's way of remaining obvious. DeWitt's philosophy, and this photograph in particular, I think, reflects one of our core beliefs here at Wellsprings, the burning bush that blazes everywhere, which says, the divine is present to us in the holiness of our everyday experiences. The possibility of revelation is always open to us through our mindful attention. DeWitt stresses that celebrating what's right is in no way ignoring or downplaying the things that are wrong with it. Rather, it provides a bigger context, a bigger container for the entirety of our experience. Celebrating what's right, he says, can give us the energy to fix the things that are wrong. Or as we might put it here at Wellsprings, celebrating what's right can charge us full. DeWitt tells a story in his TED Talk about how mindful attention resulted in this amazing photograph. Now, he came across the field of dandelions on one of his assignments. And it was beautiful, but the light wasn't quite right. He wasn't quite feeling it. So he decided that he would come back another time. And by the time he got back to the field, a week or so later, the dandelions had all gone to seed. And so, as he puts it, all I had were puffballs. And he was disappointed and frustrated with himself and about ready to pack up his camera and go home. And he thought about that charge that the geographic gave him. And he asked himself, what's here to celebrate? Obviously quite a lot based on the photograph that resulted. Asking what's here to celebrate is a form of gratitude practice and one that resonates for me better than the traditional, what are you grateful for? For me, that question's always been a bit fraught. A few times over the years, I've even tried to keep a gratitude journal, but it really hasn't stuck. I've overthought it, getting caught up in whether the things that I'm putting down are too frivolous or superficial, whether it's okay to have four things one day rather than the requisite five, whether it's okay to leave something off the list even though it really seems like I should be grateful for it. The question of what's here to celebrate strikes me as a better question for me because it gets me out of the way. 
and I'm working to incorporate it into my own practice. Now, one of the key things that I've learned here at Wellsprings is that talking about spiritual practice is not the same thing as actually doing spiritual practice. And in that spirit, I'd like to invite us all to practice this celebration right now, right here, in, a, in the form of a guided meditation adapted from one offered by Tara Brock. Now, I appreciate that you might not have been expecting this in the middle of the service, so please take a moment to prepare for this shift into practice. Get comfortable in your seat. Feel your body. Return to your breath. Inhaling and exhaling. Breathing in and breathing out. Allow your eyes to fall closed if that's comfortable for you. In this meditation, I'll be asking a question. Tell me what's here to celebrate. And I'd like you to whisper your responses aloud. Everyone's going to be whispering, so you won't be bothering everyone. For me, I might respond, my cats, and then good, strong coffee, and then my husband. It can be anything that arises for you. There's no judgment in terms of what you say or the order in which it comes to you. All responses to this question are worthy. So please tell me what's here to celebrate. Don't be shy. Whisper it. Thank you. Please tell me what's here to celebrate. Thank you. Please tell me what's here to celebrate. Thank you. Please tell me what's here to celebrate. Thank you. Please tell me what's here to celebrate. Thank you. A little bit louder now. Please tell me what's here to celebrate. Thank you. Please tell me what's here to celebrate. Thank you. Please tell me what's here to celebrate. Thank you. Please tell me what's here to celebrate. Thank you. Please tell me what's here to celebrate. Thank you. Now bringing to mind one thing you whispered that really resonates deeply one person or experience. Take some moments to feel very directly what it is that brings up that feeling of celebration. What makes you appreciate that person or experience? Let the celebration be as big and full as it really is. The gratitude, the appreciation, 
perhaps the love. So you can feel it for your whole body. Sense how inclusive and vast that sense of celebration really is. How much it includes of this life. Sensing who you are when you are completely open and filled with loving appreciation. Sensing the light, space, awareness, and tenderness that resides at the heart of our lives. Now taking a few full breaths. Coming back by opening your eyes if you've closed them and allowing your body to shift. Thank you very much for practicing celebration with me. The possibility of transformation that DeWitt Jones sees in focusing our experiences through this lens of celebration is no more and no less than releasing the love that we are no longer afraid to express into a world of light and possibility. Celebration is not just about feeling good, and it doesn't mean ignoring suffering and pain and injustice. Celebration is about harnessing the power of what's right to bring caring, mindful attention to what's not. It's about widening our lens to encompass the whole of our experience and the whole of others' experience as well. Celebration is about finding creative ways to transform the things that are broken in our lives and in our world. Celebration is about making the world whole. And that sounds very much like Father Vega's world to me. Amen. May it be so. Let's pray together. God of light and love, may we be open to the things worthy of celebration in our experience. May we hold them in our hearts and in so doing find the courage and wisdom and grace to help heal the broken places within ourselves and our world. May we release the love we are no longer afraid to express into a world of light and possibility. For this prayer and all the unspoken prayers on our hearts this day, If you enjoyed this message and would like to support the mission of Wellsprings, go to our website, wellspringsuu.org. That's wellsprings, the letters uu.org.